So did YouTube just ruin YouTube? That is the question at the top of today's show. Also, hi, welcome to the show. Hit that like button, nice to see you. But yeah, the first news story that we're jumping into today is YouTube breaking the news this morning that they are getting rid of dislikes. Rather, more specifically, the button will still be there. The creators can see how many times people have clicked it, but the number will not be viewable to the public. And so with that news, you may be wondering why? Did the public reaction to the YouTube rewinds hurt YouTube's feelings? Well, officially they're saying that is not the reason. And actually, head creator liaison Matt Cole tweeted out and posted a video writing I wasn't supportive of this change until I saw the stories from lots of new and small creators trying to make it and saying in a video on the official YouTube creators account apparently groups of viewers are targeting a video's dislike button to drive up the count turning it into something like a, a, a game with a visible scoreboard and it's usually just because they don't like the creator or what they stand for that's a big problem when half of YouTube's mission is to give everyone a voice. And then adding later in the video that as they were testing this, they found that by doing this, it actually decreased the likelihood of having dislike mobs. With it seeming to be an effort from YouTube to make YouTube a less toxic place. And of course, they also noted that on other platforms, you don't even have a dislike button. Though you do have platforms like Twitter that have been experimenting and testing with a dislike button for responses. But yeah, that is the news that broke today. And I wanna pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts here? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you just absolutely not care? Why, why not? I'd love to hear from you. In those comments down below. Personally, and I think Sarah Dietschy also hit on this on Twitter, one of the places that dislikes have been helpful is when I'm like searching how-to videos and I can find out if someone's full of shit like just from that. Yeah, that's just my small thing. And then we should be talking about the updates that we're seeing on the Travis Scott Astroworld tragedy. Or we've been talking about it this week, eight people dead, 300 injured in a crowd surge while Travis Scott was performing, lawsuits piling in. And some of the updates we're seeing is that it's not all about litigation. I mean, you actually have the FBI now assisting the Houston Police Department in the investigation as to how all of this happened. We've also now seen people who allegedly work security at the show speaking out, including one person, Darius Williams, who told TMZ that security and organizers were completely unprepared, with Williams saying that he was hired by a company that was staffing the concert just a few days before it happened, and he felt that his role was vague, it wasn't properly explained, that he was not properly briefed on his tasks, saying that he felt that they were understaffed and not prepared for the massive crowds and expressed these concerns to supervisors, but eventually just left because he felt it was so unsafe. And it's not just that one. You had other reports similarly claiming staff was not equipped to deal with a situation. See, and then obtaining a security plan document and claiming that the plan did not include a specific contingency for a crowd surge. With them reporting that the outline said, quote, crowd management techniques will be employed to identify potentially dangerous crowd behavior in its early stages in an effort to prevent a civil disturbance slash riot. But none of those techniques were elaborated on. Also, I mean, as far as public opinion, we've been seeing more and more people speaking out against the event, speaking out and slamming Travis Scott, both regular people as well as big names. With one of the most recent being YouTube's own PewDiePie, who said, The real question here is, you know, who is responsible? Is it the event organizers or is it Travis Scott? And I've seen a lot of people argue about this question online and the answer is pretty simple. They're both they're both guilty. There's no doubt about it. Right, with them going through the footage that I think we've all gone through, seeing the crowd trying to get help, their pleas being ignored by staff and film crews around them. With Felix also hitting on one of the key debate points we've seen around this tragedy. How much did Travis Scott know? Right, to be on stage with the crowd, the lights, the, the everything that happens with a show this big, what could he see, what could he not? With some having argued that with that much going on, you can't really notice those things, but also you had Felix saying, He's right there above the crowd. He sees everything. Ton of police officers, uh, paramedics, ton of stuff going on. And what do you have in the back? Travis Scott 
doing the robot. Amazing. Well done. I don't know what it's like to be on that big of a stage, but I have been on stages before. You see the people, you see the crowd. Everyone's been on stage before. You look at the crowd, right? That's all you look out for. I don't understand how you can defend him not seeing it, basically. There's no excuse. Right, Felix is not the only one there. Of course, other artists have noticed things going wrong in their show. We've seen all those clips being spread over the past week. And ultimately, Felix coming to the conclusion. I think Travis Scott thought it was cool how everything was so crazy and out of control at his concert that he just didn't care. He probably didn't realize the severity of the situation to be devil's advocate, but at the same time, it shouldn't matter. You're still responsible when you look after all these people. And actually on the note of liking chaos, we saw a number of people on social media saying that Travis essentially praised the chaos at some of his previous shows, bringing up some of his old Instagram posts that I can't show in this video unless I wanted the whole thing to get suppressed. Right, in this massive swing that we're seeing in public opinion regarding Travis Scott, it's also happening at a time where the Astroworld news is getting even worse. Right, we've been saying eight dead, but that number may be going up to nine. With the news breaking that one of the Astroworld victims is this 22 year old woman that she's brain dead now. We've also seen more and more people, including licensed therapists, bringing up concerns regarding the Travis Scott BetterHelp partnership. And like I mentioned yesterday, when I first saw that, I was like, it felt kind of scummy. Like I understand that they're providing a service, but it felt very much like they were chasing an ambulance and getting promo off of this tragedy. And you have people wanting to know more about the specifics, saying, okay, like, is, is Travis Scott in any way getting money? Like what, what is happening here? The Therapy Den over on TikTok asking the questions. So my question for Travis Scott, are you being presented with a similar deal? Are you getting a kickback for everyone who signs up using your Astroworld promo code? I really hope not. Would love to hear more about the details about this partnership. And better help. For some reason, you've stopped leaving comments in my videos. I don't know why. I'd like to encourage you to leave a comment on this one clarifying your agreement with Travis. Thanks. But also thanks to a BuzzFeed article that came out today while we were recording, we got some answers. With BuzzFeed reporting that the BetterHelp founder and president emailed them saying, following the tragic event over the weekend, Travis's team reached out to us and asked how we could provide help to those impacted. With them also reportedly denying that BetterHelp was paying Travis or profiting by selling people's data to advertisers or third parties. Yeah, ultimately that's where you are with the story. I know we covered a lot of different things. So any and all thoughts you have, I'd love to hear from you in those comments down below. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek. SeatGeek, yes, they're a fantastic sponsor, but also they're a fantastic service that I actually use. Especially after the last two years, I'm going out to a lot of comedy, sporting events, how I used it to go to the World Series, having experiences, creating memories that I'm going to hold on to. And hey, if you're ready to get back out there too, our friends over at SeatGeek have all the tickets you could ever want in one place. From live sporting events to concerts, art exhibits, festivals, stand-up comedy, and the list goes on. And SeatGeek, has your back by putting the tickets all in one place and making buying simple. So whether it's next week or next year, you can find any and all the tickets you want. They even rate every ticket zero to 10 so you know if you're getting a good deal or not. It's simple as green means good, red means bad. And best of all, you can get $20 off your first purchase right now by using code Phil at checkout. It's $20 off your first purchase with promo code Phil. So click that link, download the app and get started today. Enjoy your life. And then let's talk about the very fun and in no way divisive news around COVID-19 and child vaccines. And part of the reason we're seeing this today is we had Matthew McConaughey in the news. And that because he was asked about the pandemic and mandates during the New York Times deal book summit where he said that he supports mask mandates and got vaccinated himself, but saying he does not believe yet that vaccines should be mandated for children. I'm saying at one point, do we need to trust? Do I want to trust in the science? Do I think that there's any kind of scam or conspiracy theory? Hell no, I don't. No, I don't think there's any kind of, we all got to get off that narrative. There's not a conspiracy theory on the on the, on the on the vaccines. These are scientists trying to do the right thing. But also, he said when it comes to his kids. Right now, I'm not vaccinated. Mine, I'll tell you that. You're not. Um, I'm not vaccinated. Mine. I want to get some more. I've been vaccinated. I, I couldn't mandate having to vaccinate 
the younger kids. I still want to find out. I still want to find out more information. Right, and because the Pfizer shot was just okayed and approved for the 5 to 11 age group, this popped into the news. Or you have the news reporting on McConaughey saying this, and at the same time, you have the likes of Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy telling CNN, many kids have died. Sadly, hundreds of children, thousands have been hospitalized, and as a dad of a child who has been hospitalized several years ago for another illness, I would never wish upon any parent they have a child that ends up in the hospital. And adding that the vaccines have shown in these trials for children 5 through 11, they are more than 90% effective in protecting our kids from symptomatic infection, and they are remarkably safe as well. Though, actually regarding the rollout of the vaccine for kids 5 to 11, you had the White House today saying that nearly 1 million kids in this age group have now been vaccinated. Right, so in about a week, you're talking about roughly 3% of the 28 million children in that demographic that are now eligible, with reports saying that around 700,000 more have appointments scheduled for the next few days at chain pharmacies like CVS and Walgreens. But also that figure doesn't include appointments made at other sites like children's hospitals or pediatricians offices. But, and I think it's a big thing here, as NPR has noted, despite the promising first week, it is impossible to tell from these initial numbers whether vaccinations will continue apace or hit a plateau of hesitancy as has happened with other age groups. Whereas we've talked about before, multiple polls have found a number of parents of kids 5 to 11 are hesitant to get their children vaccinated. And while I'm obviously very pro-vax, I'm, I'm a little more sensitive to this. As a parent, I know that I'm far more protective of my children than I am of myself. But also, I say that as a parent who trusts the science here and I got my kid vaccinated this week. While 100% anecdotal, he's uh, experienced no side effects thus far. But ultimately, the, the big question I want to pass along with this story is what are your thoughts on the vaccine mandates for kids. Is it something that you're for? Is it something you're against? Let me know what you're thinking and why in those comments down below. And then uh, perhaps you heard the phrase growing up, snitches get stitches, people saying don't be a tattletale, don't be a narc, but uh, it turns out that can be very lucrative. And in fact, most recently, the federal government gave someone $24 million, with the money going to a man in South Korea who tipped off the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration that Hyundai was failing to address a design flaw linked to one of their engines. And not like a, a minor flaw, it made them prone to seizing up and catching fire. And so with that tip, the agency found that both Hyundai and Kia were delaying recalls for vehicles with those engines. With that then leading to the two companies needing to pay a conjoint $81 million for how they handled the recalls as well as for inaccurately reporting crucial information about the serious defects in their engines. And in addition to this being big news because it's obviously a very big price tag, this is very notable because it's the first time the agency has handed out a monetary reward of this type. Which makes sense because there wasn't even an automotive whistleblower program until Congress passed it back in 2015. With the key thing being that auto employees who report fraud could be entitled to up to 30% of any fines over $1 million resulting from their claims. Because while yes, you would hope that the people that work at these companies, they care about saving people's lives, money moves mountains. Actually, perfect transition on the note of money. We should talk about inflation because prices are up pretty much everywhere. With reports saying that if you compare it today to one year ago, inflation has jumped a staggering 6.2%. That's the biggest surge we've seen since 1990. And to, to try to break down the situation a little bit more, last month, the Consumer Price Index, which tracks all items in the economy, including everything from groceries to rent to healthcare, rose nearly a full percentage point, which might not sound like a massive number, but analysts only expected it to shoot up around half a percent, which is why you may have seen some quotes like, we expected inflation would get worse before it got better, but not this much worse. And among the biggest increases were fuel oil prices, which shot up 12.3% last month, used vehicles 2.5%, new vehicles 1.4%, energy 4.8%, food 0.9%. And in fact, the only places that went down, right, where we saw dips were airline prices and alcohol. And with all that, before everyone really starts panicking, you do have economists stressing that, quote, increases are likely to be temporary in the forecast that inflation overall will drop early to mid next year still seems credible. It's also why you had President Biden saying amid the supply chain crisis, inflation hurts Americans' pocketbooks, and reversing this trend is a top 
priority for me. With him also noting that he's traveling to Baltimore today to highlight his recently passed infrastructure bill, which he hopes will bring down costs and reduce bottlenecks. But also kind of connected to that, remember the social spending bill? You have Democratic Senator Joe Manchin saying that he believes that Congress should hold off on passing that spending plan, saying that he fears that it could lead to further inflation, which I think further cements the idea that that is essentially gonna be DOA, despite Biden and supporters of that plan believing that it's actually part of the solution to lowering prices. But ultimately that is where this story and actually today's show ends. Of course, with that, whether it be this final story, the first one, anything in between, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. But of course, as always, my name is Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you tomorrow.